what is going on life listeners we're back i'm excited to bring on my first guest on life listener he goes by nick morolero he has a lot of accolades behind his name we met as orientation leaders at florida state university our sophomore year And since then, we've remained close friends. He's lived the past year all across the United States, staying in a multitude of Airbnbs, and really living a life that seems outside the box. Doug, what an honor and a privilege to be uh, asked to be on your show. I've been listening to your podcast. What you've created is pretty spectacular. It's pretty cool listening to a friend on his own podcast and to be asked to, uh, to join and be a guest is, it's nothing short of amazing. So thanks for having me. This last year was pretty wild. I went a different route started staying in monthly Airbnbs out West, Arizona, New Mexico, California, and ultimately as North as Oregon, the border with Washington. And it was pretty uncomfortable. And that sounds negative, but it's actually what fosters growth and vulnerability is you know one of the best things for a person for a young person especially when i was in oregon i tried yoga i never i don't even really know anyone who does yoga so it was just out of nowhere and i guess i felt comfortable enough in that moment that was month four month five i think So I think by month five, I had kind of challenged myself getting outside, doing crazy hikes, long bike rides, you know, challenging myself to limits I never knew I was capable of of hitting. So yoga was just one more challenge and it was a challenge. Yoga is not easy. I still am learning every time I do it. But Just trying something is the difference between being comfortable and opening yourself up to an opportunity. And I met some really awesome people in Oregon when we got into yoga. We actually met a couple that runs an Airbnb uh, bed and breakfast in, in the town. And the next month, there were some really bad fires in California. The smoke was just, it was choking us. We were having to stay inside all day. And this couple actually offered uh, to have us out to come back to Astoria, Oregon, and to stay with them, to get out of the smoke. It was the nicest thing ever. And we did yoga with them. And it was just a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, all because we decided to try something new and kind of go against that vulnerability. 
So I think the, I don't know, it's kind of uh, goes in line with your podcast and what you're kind of telling your listeners about, you know, challenging yourself and that growth mindset. Um, the discomfort is pretty great. It's really remarkable hearing that story and what a blessing it truly is to have people that are thousands of miles away treat you like family. There's really nothing more satisfying in life than, than that. And over here on the East Coast, we don't we hear about the fires, but we don't physically feel them. And it's powerful what's going on out there and how frequently those are happening. So thank you for sharing your story. And now there's something special about being on the road and just saying yes to one thing that you normally wouldn't. Open that conversation with that one person you, your heart kind of your heart starts beating and then you're in your head, you're talking yourself out of it. And then all of a sudden you just tap on their shoulder and just say, Hey man, what's your story? You just seem really interesting. You never know what could happen from that conversation. I believe as humans, we're born to connect. We're born to be together. You know, Nick brought up a really good point. He told me about the story of the front porch. And I'd like to have him talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely, Doug. Um, and, you know, where I'm currently living, my, my current home is down in Tampa in Ybor City. It's our family bungalow. They built it in the early 20s, 1920s, other 1920s, not the 2020. Uh, so they're about 100 years old, pretty much. And they all have a porch. Each one of the bungalows has a front porch. And there's chairs on the porches. And I would imagine back in, you know, the 30s, the 40s, people were hanging out outside on the porch, talking to each other and people would walk by and everyone's outside because they hadn't really made the air conditioner yet in Florida. We all know that's a game changer. So my main argument is that the air conditioner just totally killed conversation. It kind of drew everybody back inside the home. And now, you know, the saying, it takes a village, it doesn't mean as much to us now. We're kind of losing that. A lot of people are getting left behind. A lot of people are slipping through the cracks. And we've got to get that back. We've got to figure out how to get that back. <laughs> that really brings up something deep that I feel. I actually was driving past a sign earlier today that said, well, you all said it takes a village, 
what's the phone number of the village? Because I need some help. And it's so true. Like, some of the studies I've been doing in human development show that Americans, we, we move far away from our, from our families and our kin. And we spend the hours that we aren't working, mainly watching TV. So we're inside isolating ourselves and anxiety, depression, PTSD, addiction is all going through the roof year after year after year. And I think it's because we don't have the connection to our neighbors, to our family. We don't go on walks. Just a simple walk, Maddie actually always, three days a week, she will get up off the couch and say, all right, let's go on a walk. And it ends up being like a two-mile walk. And Nick actually joined us for the walks this week. And it was truly special just getting into deep conversation. You get to learn more about the people that you live with. You poke your head in and say hi to your neighbors. And it's something that if you, we put ourselves in our grandparents and great-grandparents' generation, it would be more common. I think a simple life is harder, yet I also believe it's necessary. So true, Doug. And one of my biggest fears um, as a millennial is that we are going to stop knowing how to communicate with each other in the most primitive sense as humans. And Doug, you said something pretty profound this week. Um, you basically made the argument that we as millennials are the last generation before the vast use of technology just completely inundated our entire society on a global level. And that was so profound when you said that because it's so true. We grew up um, at a time where the internet was not the internet as we know it today. Text messages weren't a thing. I think a lot of people make pretty sweeping assumptions about our generation and they forget that, you know, we're nineties kids. We didn't grow up on Facebook. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how generationally we meet that challenge of communicating with one another, looking people in the eyes, talking to them, you know, putting the phones down at dinner, that type of thing. And like you said, it's, it's the hard way, but it's, in my opinion, and you might agree, it's the right way. It's, it's hard to see when toddlers are on iPads and 
two-year-olds are on the iPhone and 10-year-olds have their own phone with the vast amount of information that can be obtained in a short period of time, I just don't believe our brains are really ready for that. And at the end of the day, it's isolating. We're able to completely be away from the people that we love the most because we feel connected through a text message. There are benefits, of course, to the technology, and I'm very blessed that we have it. I just think a rapid change must take place in order for us to feel more joy, fulfillment, love, peace, and togetherness. I'm, I'm really grateful to have all you all listening. And I'm really grateful to have Nick here. Every day that he's been here, it's just, it, it truly feels like a blessing. We get to walk out uh, here in Atlantic Beach, right over to the beach. And we got to go bike riding on the beach and we saw dolphins and surfers. And I think that we forget the little moments. We get so caught up in work and we intertwine that with our life and our identity. I believe work is very, very important. And I think that our own identity is also important. I strongly believe that we should not intertwine the two. Nick, how was it like traveling and involving work life balance well it's a great question because remote work is kind of a new thing in a sense we had had some elements of remote work at my job before covid so we knew what zoom was you know for the most part we were remote but for the whole entire system to get flipped on its head kind of overnight and everybody be remote at all times, that was new. And so even for me, that was new and going out West, it afforded me some really interesting opportunities simply due to the time change. All of a sudden I was up at five 30 in the morning and you know, getting online at six and getting off at two. Some people start their day at two. So you could imagine my perspective totally shifted and what I was going to do with my time. And it's pretty remarkable the things that were done from 2 p.m. to sundown on a work day and it proved to me it doesn't have to be how it used to be. We have so much time. You know, there's a really awesome quote that says 
our lives aren't short. We just waste a lot of time. And that is really true. But Doug, you kind of said something the other day about the work-life balance and this whole concept behind retirement and why it's like, you probably could say it better. I have some thoughts on it, but I don't think it'd do it justice. My thoughts on retirement are this. We work for about from 22 to 65 and we work hard for those 40 years. And then we retire and the average age of death in America is 75. So we're working really hard and kind of losing our identity to work, to not work for 10 years. The math in my eyes just doesn't add up. So I strongly think that when we're put into school as kindergartners, all the way until we finish school, some people it might be middle or high school, other people it might be college or PhD level. Let's just say the average is around 22, 21. All those years from four to 21, you're learning so many new things. You're learning seven subjects a year. Taking multitude of different classes at different difficulty levels. And then you're the, they tell you, all right, it's time for you to go out and to make money and find a home, pay your taxes, feed yourself, all these things. And none of the actual life qualities have ever been taught. We're not taught how to get nutritious food, make your own nutritious food that actually tastes good, but we're taught geometry which is used for engineers. I, I understand its importance, but I don't think it should be taught year after year. I was a finance major and never learned how to do my taxes. We're focusing on the wrong things and we're teaching to a standardized test when we should be teaching to life skills and what makes each individual find their strengths and what they bring because we're all brought on this planet to do something remarkable. And remarkable is different in every person's eyes, and that's what makes it so. In retirement, we should have multiple forms of retirement. One, when you finish schooling. So you can really digest what you just went through in life. Next should be maybe in your 30s. Another one, maybe in your 40s. In your 50s. That's all the peak years of our, of our brain. Those are all the peak years of our body. 
we should be taking time for ourselves. Nick, you brought up a really good story about an interaction that you had with an Australian man. I'd love to hear that. Absolutely. And this, um, this interaction happened about three years ago in Greece. I was there with my buddy and we were traveling um, through the islands and I ran into this gentleman and we kind of just started talking about, you know, what we do, where we're from, kind of our backgrounds and somehow work came up and he asked how long I have off each year. And, you know, I did the math about 14 days of paid time off, eight holidays. It's about three weeks. And naturally, I was curious how many days he had off. He told me that Australians typically would get two months off. And that kind of surprised me. But maybe not, because I know Americans love to work. <laughs> that's what we've, that's the type of system we have here, unfortunately. And it makes me think about that ratio. You know, Doug kind of brings it alive when you, when you put it that way. You retire at 65. It's not that far from usually when your life is going to be coming to an end. So you think about that ratio, 40 years, give or take, for a 10-year retirement, 15-year retirement. And it's kind of symbolic because when you look at the work week, we work five days to live two. And so when I was out west, I thought about those five days differently. Like I said, when you get off at 2 p.m., you'd be surprised with what you can do with the rest of your day. And so that five to two ratio kind of got flipped on its head. That ratio kind of got blurred a little bit. I was living during the weekdays. No one says that life is work. And I think that's what Doug's talking about when he talks about those identities and when they get intertwined, things can get dangerous. So life listeners, I'd really like to express my gratitude for each one of you. Some qualities that I took from this that I learned from Nick was the power of generosity that he experienced with his neighbors and Airbnb hosts. The flow that he was able to get into and experiences that he was able to accomplish while he was out west because of the work-life balance that was created. Nick, thank you so much for being on here, man. Doug, thank you for having me, man. Keep up the great work, man. So, life listeners, what challenges do you need to face? 
How can you feel more alive? Much love, peace.